You see people that end up in that profession in both hunting and fishing. They're not really doing it for their clients. They're kind of doing it for themselves. And that makes for somebody that's very frustrated. I think there's a big difference between being vulnerable and being weak. You can be vulnerable and back squat 500 pounds and run a five minute mile. In my opinion, you kind of owe it to the people that like what you're putting out and want more of it. You've got to figure out how you can make this something that's sustainable. You have to. Never in their life have they said, hey dad, let's go do something. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't know. I'm too old for that. And if you don't know what you want to do, then you haven't had enough experience. Hey guys, this is Tom Rowland from Saltwater Experience and the Tom Rowland Podcast, and you're listening to The Wild Initiative. Put down your latte and pull on your boots. I've been blessed to harvest 22 of the 29 North American animals with my bow. My personal 24-hour record for death threats is 88. They will start putting two and two together and realize this is how you call bulls in. So when I go hunting now, that's the ethos I take with me. You know, whatever whatever this hunt is going to throw at you, you pull your big girl pants up and you get on with it. Giant bucks are freaking awesome. They're beautiful. But you know what? I would not trade this first buck for anything in the world. So I'm really, I'm a geek. Magicians and dragons and magic swords. <laughs> I shit you not, man. I'm the biggest dork in the gun business. I'm Freddie Hartay, Hollywood Hunter. This is Aaron Snyder. Hey, this is Trevin Stoltzfus with Outback Outdoors. This is Rihanna Carey. Hi, this is John Sloan of the interviews with the Haunting Masters. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. Hey, y'all, welcome to another episode of The Wild Initiative as part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. So hopping on to today's episode, very excited to be sitting down with Tom Rowland of Saltwater Experience and the Tom Rowland Podcast. Tom, thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely. Nice to, nice to be here. Thank you. <laughs> so I always love having other podcasters on. One, because as, as we discussed before, once we work out all the technical issues from all of the gear, the audio quality is just always so fantastic. Uh, um, yeah, usually. And the stories, there's always, you know, sometimes I'm sure as you know, you get guests that come on and they just get that deer in the headlights look the second the record button gets hit. And yeah, but then there are others that like to talk, mm -hmm. you know, podcasters generally like to talk um, or, or maybe they don't like to talk, but they're good at it. You know, you do have those people that are, that are basically uh, introverts until, until the camera turns on or until, until the podcast microphone turns on and then they, then they become an extrovert. I think I'm kind of like that a little bit. Like I could totally not talk to anyone all day long, or I could spend 12 hours talking to someone, which that's what you do as a fishing guide. So oh, I have a lot of practice in that. 
I'll admit the the few times I'm ho- I've hopped on other people's podcasts, there'll be a there'll be a moment where I'm like, what on earth am I going to talk about? And then all of a sudden, it's you know an hour and a half later, and I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it happens like that all the time, really. All the time, you know, you know it's a good one when uh, when the time passes too quickly. But speaking of that, uh, I would love it if just to start out, maybe you gave us an introduction of who you are and honestly, how you got your introduction to the outdoors and fishing and all of that. Yeah, sure. Um, Well, I grew up in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and the introduction to the outdoors happened before I even remember it, really. My dad introduced me to the outdoors. We were fun, we were fishing, and and as soon as I was old enough to to um, hold a shotgun, we were we were hunting, and um, mostly bird hunting, duck hunting, not a lot of deer hunting back then, um, but a lot of fishing. And I, for whatever reason, I gravitated to the fishing a little bit more. You know, we did a little bit of camping here and there, but but it was mostly mostly hunting and fishing. And uh, I always liked it. It was always a big part of our life. And then later, as I uh, got a little bit older, I started wanting to, I guess I got away from fishing and hunting. Well, the hunting, not so much because it was like, it was like a specific season. So we would have a couple of hunting trips and, you know, I would continue to go on those. But for the most part, once I got my driver's license and found out that girls were a lot of fun to (laughs) hang out with, I kind of, you know, moved away from hunting and fishing for a little bit, or it wasn't a primary interest anymore. And, and, um, then oh, you were hunting. around college, you were hunting. All right. Just, you just got a different very hunt. different hunting though. Yeah. <laughs> <Hound dog. laughs> um, but, uh, you know, uh, Brown college, you know, I kind of, kind of got the itch to do it more. And, um, so I started like fishing a lot more and hunting, uh, more, and that led me to go to Yellowstone National Park uh, for a summer job. And that summer job in Yellowstone National Park was a, I was a maid. It was a pretty, pretty lowly job, but I still say it's the best job I've ever had even to this day. And that, that period really changed my life completely. I got out to the Rocky Mountains. I, I had not been to Yellowstone National Park. I had no idea what to expect when I got there and was completely just my jaw was on the floor the whole time I was there. And we, it was very easy to, uh, to work there. They would make you clean 16 cabins. And when you were done with that, you could just leave. And, um, you know, they had an inspector that went behind you, make sure you did a good job and everything. But once you did your, your work, you could just leave. And so I was hunting, I mean, I wasn't hunting Yellowstone. I was fishing <laughs> for the rest of the day. And, um, then we would have, multi-day weekends like three-day weekends so we could go backpacking i had kind of a little group of friends out there and we went backpacked all over yellowstone and just fished all over and and i just i didn't want to leave i thought i was going to be a maid for the rest of my life i really did and i would have probably been perfectly happy with that um but something happened somewhere along the line and i decided i wanted to go to alaska the next season instead of going back to yellowstone i wanted to go to alaska and uh my dad was very supportive of the whole, this whole direction in my life, but he didn't really like the sound of going to Alaska with knowing no one there, not having a vehicle, not having a job, not having a place to live, never been there before. So he was just kind of like, yeah, you know, is there like something else that you could do? Like, 
I don't know what it would be, but anyway, in his token way, he sent me a, a letter, which was a, a, you know, a legal pad, a yellow legal pad, folded, tri-folded to fit in a business envelope. And, and I opened it up and it just had a little note in there. And it was like, would you rather do this instead? And it had a little, had a little um, newspaper clipping. And it said, guide school, Western Rivers Professional Guide School. And um, I looked at that and it said, you know, you can become a fly fishing guide. And I said, yes, that's what I want to do. Because that's what, that's what I was doing in Yellowstone. I was just fly fishing all the time. And um, so that's really what I wanted to do, way more so than just going to Alaska. I wanted to go to Alaska so I could fish. And uh, my dad, you know, kudos to him. He, he, it was kind of a bait and switch. And it worked <laughs> really well. And uh, so he felt much more comfortable with me going there. Uh, it was going to be an organized program, and I went there, and things went great. I got hired right out of the school by the, the guy that ran the school, and I ended up working for him for seven years after that. And um, it was just fantastic. I learned a ton, um, including that being a fishing guide is something that you can actually do for a living. I had no idea when I went out there. I didn't, I'd never been on a, on a guided trip. I didn't know anyone that made their living as a, as a fishing guide or a hunting guide. I didn't know that it was a legitimate job. And it, even for a couple of years, you know, I just thought this is a really awesome summer job, you know, but I didn't know. I didn't know that that was something that you could do. And then, then one of the guys had, had some, had a kid out there and I was like, so what are you going to do now? And he's like, keep guiding. I'm like, really? Like you, that's a, you can do that, huh? Like, I guess I thought you needed someone's permission, you know? And he's like, well, <laughs> I hope I can do that. Cause that's what I'm doing. Um, and that kind of opened my eyes too. like, okay, this could be a legitimate career. So I started looking at other things that I could do with fishing. And, and my first thought was, well, I'm a trout fisherman. So I need to go where there are trout. And in the Rocky Mountains, you know, it obviously gets very, very cold in the wintertime. So there's a pretty short season. So I started looking at Argentina, Chile, places like that where I could go in the wintertime and it would, you know, it'd be summer down there and I could extend my season. And um, I didn't really have much luck, but there was an opportunity to go and check out Little Cayman. And, um, and this was going to be a different type of fishing, saltwater fishing instead of freshwater fishing. But there was a connection for whatever reason. There was some kind of connection between Jackson Hole, Trout Fishing Guides, and Little Cayman, this little a lodge down there called the Southern Cross Club. And a number of Jackson Hole Fishing Guides had gone down there and worked. And the guy that I was working for had worked there many, many years. And he said, look, if you want to do that, I can hook you up with that. So I said, well, maybe I should go down there and check it out first. So I took my girlfriend, who's now my wife, and we went down there and checked it out. And it was very rural, very small, uh, primitive it is, is a conservative way to, to describe it. It was, it was rough, a little bit rough for, for her, probably. I might have been able to make it, but I mean, it was, it was rough. So on the way back, we, uh, we stopped by Key West and visited a friend of mine there. And I had never even considered Key West as a, as a place to go for, I don't know why, but uh, went there and we had a great trip and, you know, you're in the United States of America. They had a fantasy fest the weekend we were there, which is like Mardi Gras. So there was stuff to do. It was happening. Everybody was having a great time. I looked at my girlfriend. I was like, what's wrong with this? Like, why don't we try to make this work? And, um, you know, I didn't know how to do it, but ended up doing it and uh, becoming a guide down there thanks to 
you know, some of my friends, that, that one friend, Simon Becker, he really helped me out to kind of get started and spent a year getting my captain's license. And then I would go back from Key West to Wyoming, fished out there in the summertime, fishing Key West in the wintertime. And I did that for a couple of years until it was time to get married. And um, we decided that we needed one place, one place <laughs> to stay. And that's what my wife said. She's like, you can go either place. You know, I like Jackson. I like Key West. They're both great, but we're, we should probably pick one and settle there. And so that was pretty easy because, like I said, you, you had a very short season out West. It's like 120, 130 days that most fishing guys are getting out there. And in Key West, you can, you can fish every day of the year. I mean, there, occasionally you'll get some weather, but, but for the most part, it's a 365-day season. You can fish for something. And, uh, you know, you'll, you'll get weathered, but it's, it's all year. And it's a great tourist destination, which is the key for, for making a living as a fishing guide. you got to be in a place that people want to go so that there are people there all the time. And, and it's really easy for somebody to sell that trip to their family. Like, let's go to Key West. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, that, you know, there's something for everybody to do. Not just, it's not just fishing. And there's a lot of locations that are just fishing, and they're really tough to sell that trip to your family. Um, so anyway, Key West, Key West worked out great. Spent 20 years down there. And uh, ended up getting some TV shows started. And the TV shows were a, were a result of doing some professional tournament series and being gone from home way too long. I had two little boys at home and uh, just decided I didn't want to be away from them anymore. So I was ready to give up the tournaments and, and really just go back to guiding, doing that all the time. And uh, I would guide 300 days a year or more and then just kind of turn that into this, turn, this television show out of basically being very naive, having no idea how anything worked and just deciding, well, if other people can do a TV show, then we can do a TV show. And I'd been on a bunch of TV shows. I'd been on like 30 or more TV shows. I'd seen what happened. It didn't look that hard. You know, that's actually the, the filming part of the TV show is not that hard. That's the easiest part. The, it's the other part that you don't see that, <laughs> that usually uh, varies most TV shows and, and makes it very, very difficult is the, is the rest of the year. All the you catch the fish on camera. That's the easy part. I think that's the case with most, most media or anything in the, in the, you know, hunt quote unquote hunting outdoor fishing industries is, you know, whether it's podcasting, whether it's creating a brand, it's like the actual part going out that you see on film that's the fun simple part it's and everybody's like sees that and thinks oh <laughs> i can go do that oh yeah that's no problem yeah. and i've i've had so many people come to me and i'm sure you've probably had a few people approach you too about hey i want to start my own podcast you know could you give me some tips and i'm like yeah sure sure this is what i do here's some tips and you know i got you know, rising tide lifts all ships. I'm, I'm more than happy to have as many podcasts out there as they want. But then usually about two to three months later, I get a, get an email back or, or I check in with them. Hey, how's it going? They're like, dude, so much work, so much work. You're like, I just, I don't know what I got myself into. I can't do this. I'm like, it was fun, but I don't, I don't, I don't want to put in that work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's always a lot of work to it, but you know, if that's what you want to do, Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I think there's a big difference between deciding that that's what you want to do and deciding that it's going to be a nice little side gig or a hobby. There's a big difference there. And I think that, that nowadays there's, there's enough competition, whether it's a television show or, or making short films or podcasting or 
whatever, you know, YouTube channel, whatever. I mean, the people that are doing well at it, I mean, it's a living. They're very professional at doing it. They, they're, they're working. They're, they're putting their stuff out at the right time. They're, they're really doing the research. They're, they're making it as good as it can possibly be. So I kind of think the days of, of just having a, a nice little side gig going, you know, maybe, I mean, maybe you got, maybe you're really talented and you can make that happen or you got a lot of friends that are really interesting to talk to or something. But for the most part, I think that, you know, if you're going to do anything in any passion kind of based endeavor, it's very competitive. There are a lot of people that want to do that. So you got to do it well and you've got to do it as if you're going to do it for the rest of your life and you have to be very professional at it. Well, you know, you, you said it right there. It's, you know, a lot of people want to do it. Yeah. You've got to, you've got to want to do it even more than everyone. I mean, it's, that's the only way. Cause it's going to suck. I mean, let's face it. This is a passion project when it comes down to it. I think I look at absolutely everything across the long run. And this podcast has cost me a whole hell of a lot more than it's made me. If oh, I don't sure. I'm, I'm sure that's the case, but I, I don't, you know, that's discounting the relationships I've built, the connections I've made, the hunts I've gotten to go on, the, you know, just the awesome conversations. That's, you know, and that stuff's invaluable. That alone, if I didn't make back a single dime financially, that alone would absolutely make all the work I put into this podcast worth it. Yeah. I mean, I, I hear you there. I think that, I think that that's where a lot of people get get buried and they lose it because it has to be, you know, and you'll hear somebody say, well, you know, I'm not all about the money. I don't care if I make any money on it, but if you don't make any money, you can't do it for very long. So in my opinion, you kind of owe it to your, your listeners. You owe it to the people that, that like what you're putting out and want more of it. You've got to figure out how you can make this something that's sustainable. You gotta, you have to, and you know, it might be uncomfortable might take you out of your comfort zone, you know, selling yourself or selling your podcast or selling your TV show or whatever. But if you want it to be around for any length of time, it has to generate money. And, and that's kind of unfortunate in some ways, <laughs> but it, it, it turns a lot of people, um, you know, they, they, there was a quote that said something about your, don't make your, your, uh, make your, your passion, your work, you lose all your passion or something like oh, that. Yeah. And, and, I can see that, you know, like all of a sudden somebody becomes a fishing guy and then it's not very long after that. They really don't like fishing that much anymore because it took away what they really liked about fishing. Maybe it was being, being out there by themselves, or maybe it was quiet solitude. Maybe it was, um, you know, being able to catch the fish themselves. And then they think, well, I'm going to be a fishing guide so I can fish every day. But the reality is you, very, you rarely fish at all because you are now taking care of someone else and teaching them how to fish and, and giving them this amazing opportunity. And some people can handle that very well and they go into guide mode and they do it, you know, very, very well. And other people, you know, kind of have, have like a chip on their shoulder all the time. Like, I can't believe that guy's getting to catch that big fish that I, I've never caught a fish that big. He doesn't deserve it. I've been working my whole life to do this. And that kind of attitude never, never makes for a good fishing guide or a hunting guide. And, and you see people that end up in that profession in both hunting and fishing. And they're just, they're just not very good because they, they're not really doing it for their clients. They're kind of doing it for themselves. Mm -hmm. And, and that doesn't make for a, that makes for somebody that's very frustrated in life. 
you know, you got to be able to, to, to take pride in putting someone on a fish that they would never be able to catch by themselves. And they're doing it and you're speaking through them. Your, your, your words are going into that fishing rod and, and having them do what needs to be done. And, and probably without you there, it probably wasn't going to happen. So that, you know, good fishing guides and good hunting guides understand that and realize that that's, that's your role. That's your place. That's what you want to do. And there's great satisfaction to that, you know, and, and really you make someone's dream come true. And, and there's great satisfaction to that as well. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. I mean, it's so easy to turn turn life into a bumper sticker. And, and you got people on both sides. You're like, oh, you know, you... Uh, you follow your passions and you'll never work a day in your life on one side. And then you've got, like you're saying on the other side, you know, don't turn your passion into a job or you'll lose all your passion. You know, it, they can't both be right. It's a life's a lot, hell of a lot more complex than, you know, these, these bumper sticker things we like to attribute to it. Yeah. I think that if you, if you say you never, you know, go for your passion, you never work a day in your life. Yeah, it may not feel like work, but probably the the reality is that you're going to work harder than you would have ever worked at something that you didn't like. And um, you know, most most people that I know that are that are really good at what they do, and it's a passion, whether that's in the outdoor space or fitness space or or you know hunting or whatever, they're doing it because they love it, and they wake up every morning and they can't take their mind off of it. They go to bed and their mind is, is racing about how they can do it better and things that, you know, fishing guides are, are just mentally going over the, the whole day. Like, how could I have done it better? Where did we, you know, what if I had gone over here? What if I had done something completely different? And they're always thinking about that. And so, in my opinion, you know, you do your passion. If you're really passionate about it, you never stop working. But, but it's joy. You love it. You want to do it. But there's also a balance there, you know, like with your family and with your friends. And, you know, when you have that outlet to where you can just, you, you know, on the one hand, it's, it's work and it's good and, and, and you're making money for your family and everything like that. But on the other hand, the balance of your life gets really tipped to one side because all you want to do is get back out there. And uh, so that can be tough on the family. You see a lot of divorce and stuff with, with fishing guides. And, and it's usually not because they're not good people or good husbands. It's because all they do is fish or, or guide. And uh, that's the other thing too, because most of the fishing guides that, that are in a place, like we just said before, like Key West was a great place. Jackson Hole is a great place to be a fishing guide. Both of those places are two of the most expensive places in the country to live. And uh, there's a reason because a lot of people want to live there. They're beautiful places, but you know, so you got to end up working a lot to live there and, and to live the kind of lifestyle that you want. You have to end up pretty much you're working like every day. So that's tough on the family too sometimes, but you, you know, you just got to work that balance out. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a matter of, you just got to look at 
the amount of work you're putting in, are you getting the value you need out of it? Are you living the life you want to live? Uh, you got to have, you know, I talk with a lot of guys and we talk about, you know, our vision. You got to start with that vision, where you want to be. Um, otherwise, what are you working towards? You know, why are, why are you working? Are you just working to get by or are you working to achieve that specific goal? And I think when you have that really clear vision of what you want your life to be, you can better analyze like, okay, well, maybe I am working a little bit too much because it's taking away from this life I want to create. Or, you know, yeah, maybe I do need to take on a few extra hours so we can afford to live in this in this place because that's taking me towards my vision. And I just I think that's so absolutely critical is to know know where you're going if you want to get there, kind of a thing. Yeah, I know. When you have young people that ask you how you how do you how do you find that? How do you know? It's kind of a tough question to answer. Like, <laughs> I don't know, go spend a lot of time by yourself um, and, and try to figure it out, you know? But I mean, I, my, I've got two boys right now and a little girl, one's 23, one's 20, and my little girl's 16. So getting a lot of these type of questions right now, like how, how do I know what it is that I want to do? I mean, kind of like when you know, you know, but that's not, I mean, that's such a great generalization to tell a 22 year old, 23 year old kid. And it's like, you know, you should, should be getting as much experience as you possibly can, you know, and some of that experience is going to be bad. And you're going to say, you know what, I don't, I don't want to do that. I, I didn't like that job. I didn't like what I was doing. Okay. Well, you've eliminated a lot of options. So now just keep working towards what you do like. And when you, when you find something you do like, just keep moving in that direction, keep moving in that direction. And sooner or later, like for me, man, it was like lightning struck. And I was like, I don't care what I got to do. I don't care where I have to live, but I'm going to be a fishing guide for the rest of my life. And I knew that. And, you know, in some way, shape or form, I mean, I'm not the fishing guide that I was when I was working 300 days a year, but I make my living kind of doing the same thing. Just in a, it's, it's kind of, molded and evolved into something a little bit different of producing the television shows and, and more media re related stuff, but it's still, I still get the same pleasure out of it. And, um, you know, for young people, it's like, I don't know how, you know, but when you know, you know, well, it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's not the answer you, you really want to give them or they really want to hear, but it's kind of like, well, you find out by going and living your life. <laughs> you, yeah. It's that's right. I mean, you, you do really, you, you find out by, by getting experience. And if you don't know what you want to do, then you haven't had enough experience and, you know, travel, move, look, look around, go live someplace else, go meet other people, go get different opinions, go, go immerse yourself in different ideas. And, and some you're going to like, and some you're not. And, and, you know, just move towards the ones you do. And, and hopefully that, that'll put you on the right path for finding, finding out what it is that you want to do. And uh, then there's the balance of, okay, do I want to make, I, this is what I love to do, but do I want to make a living at this or do I want to, do I want to keep this as something for me only? And that's where a lot of people, like, especially with the fishing guides, like, and my son, even he, he became an elk hunting guide and he realized pretty quick. He was like, you know what? I think I want elk hunting to be for me. That's what, I like to do. It's a short season. I want to go out there and, and, you know, archery hunt elk. That's what he wants to do. And 
the thought of going out there another couple of years and, and taking clients out there just wasn't really what he wanted to do. And I, I was like, man, good, good. You figured it out. Don't do that. Keep archery elk hunting to yourself. If you don't want to be a hunting guide, don't be a hunting guide. You've got tremendous opportunities in front of you. You can figure out whatever it is that you want to do. And that's, that's something that's very important, man. It's like figuring out what parts of your life you want to maintain as, as your own personal things that you're not going to share on a professional level. Like, you know, even within fishing, there's some types of fishing trips that I don't, I don't take people on. I don't take people night fishing for tarpon. That's like, that's a personal thing. Like I want to, I want to do that with my kids. I want to do that with my friends or I want to do that alone. I don't want to do that with clients. Like that's where I draw the line, you know, and, and everybody's got to find that line to draw. It's, I mean, it's, it's critical because the second you start waking up and it's, it's even more dangerous. It's one thing, you know, if you're working a part-time job at Taco Bell <laughs> and all of a sudden you realize you hate your job, but it's a completely different thing when, again, you know, that's, that's when that line gets crossed and you start, you, you start turning your passion into work and you start hating your passion and losing your passion for that is when you don't set those boundaries for yourself and say like, okay, this is they kind of compartmentalize it. This is me. This is, this is the work portion of it and, and learning where that balance is. I think that's, that's so much where the line is between the uh, losing your passion for something you love because it turns into work and you know, you don't want to, you don't want to wake up and be like, Oh crap. I have to go elk hunting again today. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, that's, that's the way a lot of people feel as opposed to, you know, waking up and, and the, you know, everybody wants to go and when it's perfect and in fishing, you know, in a 365 day schedule, you got a lot of opportunities to wake up and, you know, if it was just you going out with your kids or whatever, you're like, mm, we're going to do something else today, you know, but when you got somebody that's come in from a thousand miles away and they're ready to go, you're gone. And so you can either kind of dread that or you can look at it as a challenge. Like, you know, I'm, we're going to be the ones that, that make it happen today. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're going to do whatever, whatever we need to do. And I've got five plans ready to go so that if plan A doesn't work, then we're going to go to B and we're just going to keep on going down the line until we make something happen or not, but we're going to give it the best shot we have. And at the end of the day, the guy's going to get off the boat and he's going to have a great day. You know, that's, that's super important. We may not catch any fish, but you know, I'm going to make sure that, that this person that is spending their time with me is going to make sure that, that they're having a, a great time and that, that they want to come back and sooner or later they'll hit the weather. Right. And, um, and we'll, we'll make it happen big time, but you know, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, switching gears a little bit, uh, you, you talked about fitness and I know fitness is, a huge, uh, huge thing for you, uh, yep. fitness, you know, for, for the outdoors. And how did you, how did you start kind of getting interested in, in incorporating fitness and into all of this? Yeah. Well, I was an athlete growing up I was a wrestler. So I wrestled from uh, kindergarten all the way through my senior year of high school. I thought I was going to wrestle in college and, uh, decided at some point that wasn't what I wanted to do. So at that point, you know, I think wrestlers are a strange group anyway. Um, it's a, it's a tough sport. It really is. And you're losing weight at a young age and you're, 
you're you're making tremendous sacrifices you know around the holiday season your thanksgiving i never got to eat a whole plate of thanksgiving food growing up once you know it's like you're gonna make weight next week you know and and you're doing that around christmas and other kids are not doing those things so when i decided that i did not want to wrestle in college anymore i went crazy and i ate everything and drank everything and i went crazy i ate everything i gained 50 pounds (laughs) in a year and loved it i had never been fat i had never been out of shape and i loved every second of it it was amazing i wasn't sore i didn't have a black eye i didn't have cauliflower ear anymore everything was felt great you know i was fat and happy and i slept all night and it you know i didn't have to worry about weighing in once so you know i was probably at a a a pretty healthy weight because 50 pounds earlier i was you know 138 pounds my senior year and so i ended up at 185 right now i walk around at, at 175 so you know it wasn't i didn't wasn't like just huge fat but i was pretty out of shape and i didn't work out for a long time and then i got into the fishing and you know i'd row a boat all day um get get back have some beers with with my friends at night while we're cleaning up the boats and getting ready to go and eating whatever you know you're you're 23 years old you don't have to worry about your diet very much but i wasn't working out wasn't healthy and that first year uh maybe the second year man i really threw my back out while i was rowing the boat i mean like i'd never hurt my back before and all the wrestling everything else i'd never hurt my back and um i hurt my back pulling the anchor up like what in the world is going on i can't even walk and some some of the older guys are like man you need to go see a chiropractor you know you need to strengthen your core you need to do all these things i'm like man i don't i don't know if that's what happened or or what but i didn't really pay him much attention and um you know things like that kept happening like i would i would hurt my back i would be sore after different you know long long you know i have a real heavy a bunch of heavy guys in the boat you're rowing that boat all day long the next day you can hardly get out of bed you're 24 years old shouldn't be like that and um but i wasn't putting two and two together i just thought man at least i'm not at wrestling practice <laughs> because <laughs> i had had enough of that so anyway um ended up going down to key west and when i went down there man these guys were able to fish five six days in a row seven days in a row I'd fish three days and I'd be sunburned and dehydrated and just wiped out and seriously could go maybe five days in a row where other people just keep going, keep going. And finally I started putting two and two together. I was like, okay, well you need to take a little better care of yourself in the sun. So I'd wear long sleeves and I'd wear a hat and then started wearing pants and every little bit that I covered up, I felt a little bit better at the end of the day. Then I started thinking, man, how much water are you drinking when you're out there? You're not drinking very much water. So I started to drink more water and I started to take better care of myself. And every little thing that I did resulted in me being able to go out there more and more and more. So then we have kids. Now I'm married at this point. I've got one child and I'm like, okay, there's no more of this work in 120 days a year. I need to actually go to work. And I need to work about 250 days a year. 
I didn't know where I was going to get the trips, but I also knew that my body at that point was not capable of going that many days. I just couldn't. I mean, it was that, that Florida Keys sun will eat you alive. And um, it's, there's a type of conditioning that you get into of just being in the sun, standing up and pushing a boat. Like, like maybe, maybe the people that are listening to this don't understand what a Florida Keys fishing guide does, but you basically are in a 17 foot boat. There's a platform over the engine. You have a 21 foot pole. You use the big motor to get to wherever you're going. And then you're going to fish in, in anywhere between 12 inches of water and 12 feet of water but mostly it's about three to four feet. So you're, you're seeing the fish in ultra clear water before you fish for them. And then I'm taking the boat and I'm actually hunting this fish down. I am moving the boat strategically, not drifting. You're actually moving the boat around, sometimes all the way around a fish that's feeding. And you can see him from 100 yards away. You can see a 150-pound tarpon. You can actually move the boat all the way around him and then get a shot to you know at at the angle that that fish is facing. So it is like being a professional athlete almost. You're you're pushing a boat with a stick, usually into the wind, all day long. And if you're good and you're you're doing it you know enough, you're going to do that 20 days in a row, 30 days in a row, 50 days in a row, 175 days in a row was the most that I got to to where I didn't take a single day off for 175 days. And the only way I got there was by getting in better shape. And there was a time early on, I could not go out for three days. And then I started taking better care, just like we just talked about with the sun protection, with the hydration, with eating better, and then starting to lose a little bit of weight. And then I started running. And when I started running, a lot of things happened uh, different. And I started losing weight. I started getting in better and better shape, get stronger with doing pull-ups and push-ups and everything. And I started noticing that the better shape I got in, the, the better I could push that boat, the more fish I was catching, the better um, kind of attitude I had throughout the day. And so it became like it was directly tied to my wallet. The, if I was in better shape, I was better at my job. If I was in better shape, I could do my job more days in a row for longer with a better attitude. And my clients were seeing that my tips were better. Everything was better. And so, you know, with my mentality, if a little bit is good, a lot is better. <laughs> that's how it's, that's how it's always been. So that led me down this, this road of, you know, trying to get in the very, very best condition that I could possibly be in because I could see so clearly that it, it helped me to do my job better. And, um, and then it became a habit. And now I don't know, it's, it's all about, you know, performance and doing the job better. But then, you know, I enjoy the training as well. Like I train in the morning, five o'clock in the morning usually. And, um, and I don't miss many days. Um, but I, I see that it's, it's directly tied to, to performance. And um, so I don't know, then you, you know, in order to stay kind of motivated, I've always set these goals. Like at first it was run a marathon, then it was run a marathon at a certain time. And then it was, you know, run more than a marathon. And then, then I kind of got into um, wanting to do something different because the run, all the running and all the run, riding around in the boat was kind of hurting my back some more. And uh, 
So I started getting into, I found CrossFit really early, like around 2007, 2008, and started getting into that. And then that was great because I didn't have anybody to work out with. And um, so I could go on to, to this online community and I could see how other people in other areas, you know, maybe it was a, you know, some special operator in Afghanistan, or maybe it was somebody in Iceland or somebody, and, and people are posting, like, I did the same workout in this much time. And, you know, I would see all that and be like, okay, it was kind of like I had a, like a little virtual training community and that kept me motivated. And then, you know, I would just set these little goals. Like I'm going to, you know, be able to do this workout in this much time or whatever. And I would start to see myself getting there all the while, all the improvements that I'm making in the workout and in the gym were translating directly to my, to my job and my performance. And I was I was catching more fish and I was able to push the boat harder and faster and longer and people were liking it. So I had more return clients. I mean, it was just like, it was a no brainer for me. Like it's hard to put that together kind of at the same time, but I mean, it was a hundred percent directly tied to being able to make a living and do, do my job better. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So you've got all this, this fitness related to uh, guiding and how it's improved uh, your capabilities as a guide. And also just, if nothing else, you're, attitude with uh, the, with your customers and stuff. And they're seeing that. Have you also seen it, affect any change in your experience hunting hunting oh absolutely i mean you've been elk hunting right (laughs) it's 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 uphill all day and when you think you've reached the top of the hill you start going up another hill and when you think you've reached that hill top of that hill you keep going up another hill and my son's quite a bit taller than me and he can walk fast so just keeping up with him you know and, and usually coming from sea level you know and then all of a sudden you find yourself in the rockies and, you know, the next morning you're going to go elk hunting. Um, I mean, it's crucial. I mean, it, it's, it's absolutely crucial. I don't even know how some people do it. And some people do it on horses, you know, and, but, you know, my son and I like to do it, you know, on foot and um, it, it makes all the difference in the world. I mean, it's that type of hunting. I mean, there's other types of hunting where you don't have to be in good shape, like turkey hunting. Like I love to turkey hunt and, um, you know, there's lots of ways that you can turkey hunt. And you don't have to be in shape at all. You can, you can waddle your way over to the blind and you can sit there all day long and you don't have to move. And in fact, if you don't move, a lot of times that's better. And then there's <laughs> other styles of turkey hunting where you're running and gunning all day long, you know? So, I mean, I think being, being fit opens up a lot of opportunities to where you could do that run and gun stuff. 
run and gun style, or you can sit, or you can do whatever. If I sit too long, I go to I go to sleep though. Like <laughs> definitely go to sleep. But you know the Western hunting. Uh, I don't have a lot of experience there, but I do like hunting with my boys. And uh, man, it's it's very physical. I mean, it is extremely physical. You know, the better shape you're in there. You know, just like like Cam Haynes, you know, he's he's taking it to a to a whole different level. But but nobody goes where he goes. Like he he, if he needs to go further to be able to get to where there are animals that are untouched, he's he's going. Like there's not going to be a time when 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 fitness is going to hold him back from getting where he needs to be. You know, that's one of the big things for me is. Yeah, you know, as as we talked, you don't have there you don't have to be in shape to hunt. Even this crazy mountain hunting, you don't have to be in shape. It's going to suck a lot more, but you can still do it, you can still be successful, but you know, bringing it back to we were talking about a little bit about vision before and and I look at my vision and my vision is it's twofold. Um in the long term, when I'm you know, when I'm older, when I have kids, I want to be able to take them out and hunt with them. I want to be, I still want to be chasing elk when I'm in my seventies, you know, I, I want to, I want to be able to climb those mountains and I need to plan for that now. But then also even just this coming season, I am so sick and tired of being out in the elk woods or, you know, chasing after mule deer and, being like, okay, well, you know, I see these ones over here, but I don't have a root on them. I know I should, or I'm not seeing them over here. I know I should check this other ridge or this other, you know, uh, you know, this other draw, but I'm going to have to get way down in there, or I'm going to have to get up to a spot where I can see them. And I don't do it because I know I'm going to have to pull out of there or, you know, if I get one. I never want that to be an excuse. Yeah, I mean, that, I, th- I think I think fitness is I think fitness is a is a like I don't ever want to look at something and say I don't want to do that because I don't think that I can. I don't want to I don't want to be with my kids and and you know my kids are grown now. I mean, I'm 52 years old. Uh, my son's 23. So and my daughter's 16. My other son's 20. And never in their life have they said, "Hey, Dad, let's go do something." And I'm like, man, I don't know. I'm too old for that. Or I, you know, that I, I would have done that with you 10 years ago or anything like that. Whatever they wanted to do, I've been able to do it. That was one of my goals. Like I will never tell them that I physically can't do something. And, um, so I've been able to hold to that so far. And, um, that's, that's really good. And I never want fitness to be something that it, it is limiting. Like it's possible to be in good enough shape to where, you know, you can go check that ridge. It's no problem. You may not want to, um, but it's not because you're not going to be fit enough to do it. And, and that's the thing like with the podcast, like a lot of people want to be in good shape and they want to, they understand why they need to be in good shape, but they don't know how. And so we talk about stuff like that on the podcast of, of things that people can do without equipment things that you can do just with body weight, things that you can do um, with your fishing gear or hunting gear. Honestly, I mean, we've got heavy anchors. We've got all kinds of stuff. Cast nets weigh a ton. You can use all that kind of stuff, coolers, and, and you really don't need much. And in fact, I have a lot of stuff, but it's been collected over the last 30 years. 
And, but, but you really don't need much. And in fact, some of the, my favorite ways to work out or, or do anything require almost nothing. And a lot of people don't know that. They think they have to have, you know, the perfect setup. They think they have to have this perfect trainer. They have to have the perfect scenario. And if they don't have that, they might as well not even do it. And it's like, you know, start, start where you are with what you have and just start. And, and you're not doing it wrong. Like a lot of people are worried about doing it wrong too. But then when, when, when I've seen like people kind of get the understanding and get the knowledge that they need, then they go crazy because they're, and, and they go down this whole road of, you know, doing all these <laughs> crazy workouts and getting in great shape and losing weight and keeping it off and everything because they have the confidence in knowing I'm doing it right. And, and this, this is working for me. So I'm going to keep doing it. But a lot of people, honestly, they don't, they don't, uh, they don't have the confidence. And that's one of the, the things that, and I feel like is a gift to give. I mean, through all the wrestling and all the, all the workouts and the weightlifting and everything that I did all growing up and what I've done since then, it's a, it's a lot of knowledge and I'm happy to give that away. And I'm really happy when, when I give that away and someone takes it and changes their life with it, takes, takes it and changes their life completely. And I've seen it happen lots and lots of times and it's it's very rewarding and it's very cool to see somebody become a better parent become a better hunter become a better fisherman become better at their job better at anything because they took their health into their own hands you know and they said this is what i want to do and i'm going to learn how to do it and then i'm actually going to do it and that's that's cool. I love seeing that. That's one of my favorite things. And, and to me, that's like as rewarding as as taking somebody out that doesn't isn't very good at fishing, and you teach them how, and you take them to to a, a situation that they couldn't even imagine existed, and then they catch that fish of a lifetime, and they they love it. You know, it's it's awesome. And to see that happen, you know, whether it's fishing or fitness or hunting or anything else that's super cool like that's what i that's what i really like you know i just it, i just had was having this conversation with with a couple of guys and you know especially in the midst of all of this with you know a lot of states being fully closed down and everybody at home and and people complaining oh my gym's closed whatever am i going to do and i i so often feel like from a fitness perspective, the, the lack of equipment, all this equipment, all these machines, even, even all the, all the free weights, it's, it's a crutch for so many people, or it's an excuse for so many people. I am a firm, firm believer that you can, you can get the best workout of your week with nothing but a mat. body weight exercises i'm like i'm sorry and you know for those who aren't familiar with tabata it's a style of hit workout but i'm like okay until you can pound out uh, a full you know eight rounds of tabata body weight squats like low squats without trouble like the day you can do that without any issue then you can complain to me about how you can't get a decent workout because you don't have you can't weight yourself with your with your squats. I'm like, come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this weekend, this weekend, people all around the country will be doing, you know, Memorial Day Murph, and all it takes is a pull up bar 
you know, you run a mile, 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 squats, you run a mile. If you're doing it as prescribed, you have a 20-pound vest. If you need to back that off, you do half as much. If you want to do more, you know, we'll be doing triple Murph this this weekend. And um, it's just a pull-up bar and a bunch of, uh, of calisthenics. And that's an incredibly good workout. And it'll take a long time. But, you know, I, I don't like to... Uh, I don't like to say that one's better than the other, though. I think all of it is a tool and all of it, you know, whether it's all the machines and going to a nice gym and having a nice trainer, that's awesome. And if that's working for you, then you, by all means, you should do that. And, you know, if the calisthenics are working for you and, and you like working out by yourself in a, in a dirty, dusty old garage, great, man. That's what you should do, too. But and any any anything in between, like whatever it is. Man, I don't care what people do. I just think, and I don't think one is better than the other. I really don't. The best one is the one that you enjoy and that you can stick with for a long period of time that is helping you. And, you know, a lot of fitness has to be, has to be something that is, is kind of enhancing your life. Like there's, there's a lot of ways that fitness can not enhance your life. Like, for example, if you think that you have to go to this gym and you have to work out with this particular trainer and the only time that that trainer is available is at six o'clock at night when your family is usually eating dinner, man, that's not sustainable. You're going to do that a few times and then your family's going to be like, man, you're just at the gym all the time. Like you're not at the gym all the time. You're just at the gym at the wrong time. Like that's why like my group, we get up super early when, and go at five because we all have families and that's, that's our time in the morning. It's not interfering with anything else in the day. You get the workout in and then you're enhancing your life. You're better at home. You're better with your wife. You're better with your kids. You're better at your job. And, and you know, that's, that's an enhancement rather than something that's taken away all the time and pulling away from your life. And a lot of that is just the time that you do it. Or, you know, I mean, some of my friends are big into triathlon. and You know, on a, on a Saturday, man, they go on a four or five hour bike ride. And, and, you know, for some of them, it's a perfect time in their life for that. They can do that and it, it's an enhancement to their life. Their wife's got something, she goes and plays golf or something. And so he goes and rides the bike. She goes and plays golf. Everybody's having a good time. Nobody misses one another. It's great. No problem. They've managed to, to work that out. But for somebody that's got little kids, it's like, man, you're missing all that great time of, of, of the kids growing up on a Saturday, you're out there riding your bike for seven hours. Like maybe that's not the best, you know, maybe that's not an enhancement. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think that, I don't think that fitness is, is, is selfish. Like, it sounds pretty selfish to, to take all that time for yourself when you could be taking time for somebody else or your family or whatever. But I think that sometimes the, the time that you choose to do it can be selfish, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. Without it. I mean, again, it's all it's all in how you approach it and and your mindset when you're doing it, why you're doing it, your considerations all around it. You know, it's it's a lot a lot more complex than a bumper sticker saying, um, right. <laughs> and you know, and it's, I, th I think it's, it's very important. You know, we talked about from the aspect of being able to interact with your kids and not having to deny time with them because, you know, you're too old and frail to be able to, you know, go up the mountain with them. Right. But even aside from that, just 
being around longer for them. You know, the ability to take time for yourself. Right. Of course. But then there's also the whole part of, there's also the whole part of, of, you know, you're the leader of your family and you owe it to them to be strong and healthy, not sick and tired. And so I don't think that, that being fit is, is a luxury. I don't think that it's, it's something that, um, you know, is kind of nice. I think it's absolutely crucial and that everyone that counts on me expects it. Like your dad, you're supposed to be the, the, the big, tough guy that can handle anything that comes. You're the one that's taking care of your family. And if you're sick and fat and tired, you can't do that as well as if you're not sick, fat and tired. You're, you're, but, but there has to be a balance of how you get there. Like, I believe that it's, you know, first of all, you're leading by example with your children. Like there was never a time where I thought, um, you know, workouts are, are, this this is my time and I don't want you here. My daughter used to come down at five o'clock in the morning. She used to jump out of bed and come down there and be all around everybody working out. And it was just part of her life. And she grows up, she's seven, she's almost 17 now. And she works out all the time. She loves it. And fitness is fun for her. She sees it as a fun activity, not a drudgery. And I hope that I gave that to all of my kids. It's like, if you hate this, then you need to find another thing. Do you like swimming? Do you like playing tennis? Do you like riding bikes? There are tons of ways to get in shape and stay in shape and lead a healthy lifestyle. It doesn't have to be something that you really don't like. I mean, of course, there you you can build mental toughness and stuff by doing things that you don't like. But that doesn't have to be the base activity that you do every single time. <laughs> like find something that you like, find a group of people that you like to be with and, you know, have a healthy uh relationship with fitness. That's that's a lot of people don't, you know, it's like, I gotta go to the gym, you know, I gotta go do this, I gotta go do this. It's like, man, that's the best time of the whole day. Like, you know, wanting to get out there and do the things that, that make you better at, at everything in your life. And, um, you know, some people just don't find it as quickly as others. And then some people, you know, they, they, you know, they started playing tennis when they were a kid. They love playing tennis and tennis is what they love to do. And it keeps them in shape throughout their whole life. And awesome. Good for you, man. Stay at it. Stay with it. Other people, you know, like to do a whole bunch of different things, but then there are those few people that just don't like to do anything. But I think, you know, can you, can you walk with some friends and have a nice conversation? Great. That's what you should do. I don't know. Watch out, man. We're, we're, we're getting talking about unpopular things here about men actually uh, being wanting to be leaders and leading their family and, (laughs) and, and fit people actually having better lives. I don't know. This is some scandalous talk here. I think these days, is it? I I don't know. I I think that there's a real renaissance towards that. I hope I mean, so. you see a lot of, a lot of podcasts. I saw you, you, I mean, I was looking over your guest list. You had Ryan Mickler in there. That's like his whole platform. Yep. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why that would be scandalous that, or, or even something that, that has been forgotten. I mean, somebody's got to be, be, I think both parents. I mean, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a men only thing. I think both parents should be strong and healthy and be leaders and show their children by example, how to live their life and, and show their children that they should have a, 
have a, a healthy relationship with fitness and a healthy relationship with their diet and a healthy relationship with their body. And, and that comes as much from mom as it comes from dad. And, you know, I mean, it's not one, it's both. It's not an either or. So it's, it's a both. And I, I don't know why we are embracing weakness like in society, but it does seem that 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 is a trait that that people are embracing these days. Like, I think there's a big difference between being vulnerable and being weak. Like you can be vulnerable and back squat 500 pounds and run a five minute mile. I mean, you, it doesn't mean you're going to be weak and you can have leadership qualities and you can, you can, you know, live a life that, that people want to emulate, namely your children. Like, okay, be nice to people, be kind, but be strong and and be strong physically and be strong mentally and and just be a strong person overall i i don't i don't see anything wrong with that at all well i think that is the absolute perfect point for us to end on right there that is <laughs> i do i don't think we're going to top that one right there that was perfect um so if folks wanted to uh, find you uh, online, you've got a lot of stuff going on. I know we connected through uh, the Waypoint Collective, uh, the whole family of Waypoint podcasts. Mm -hmm. uh, what else do you got going on? Where can folks uh, follow along online? Well, our, our most public things are our television shows. So the television show that I'm on, what we produce three different television shows. One that I'm on called Saltwater Experience. It's on the Discovery Channel. It's on um, Waypoint and some other networks. It's easiest to find it on Waypoint. You can go to waypointtv.com and you can look for it there or any of the other opportunities that Waypoint has, Samsung Plus and all these other channels that they're on. We have another show called Into the Blue, which is an offshore show. We, I just produced that show. I'm not on that show. Two other hosts are on that show. And I have another show called Sweetwater. It's a bass fishing show. All the same networks. Uh, uh, actually, Sweetwater is not on Discovery this year, but Into the Blue is on Discovery. Sweetwater is on Sportsman's Channel and Fox Sports and all these other channels, uh, as well as Waypoint. You can find them all on Waypoint. That's the easiest way to watch them. Then I spend a lot of time and effort on podcasts these days. I put five podcasts out a week, and that show is called Tom Rowland Podcast. And my favorite um, social media platform is Instagram, pretty much the only one that I go on personally. And it's Tom underscore Roland, R-O-W-L-A-N-D. Awesome. Well, I will make sure to link to all of that on the show notes page. Uh, everybody can check that out at thewildinitiative.com. So as we close out here, say somebody walks up to you, you know, you run into them, they know you're into hunting, into fishing, into the fitness, the outdoors, all of this stuff. And they say, you know, I love following along. I'm really interested in everything you do, but... I don't know. There's a lot to learn. This is all really intimidating. I don't know if I can do this. What, what final words of wisdom would you give that person? You absolutely can do it. There's no reason that you can't. I, I have, take people fishing that have no arms and no legs. Um, so anyone can fish. Anyone can hunt. Anyone can be fit. Anyone can, can live this lifestyle. And, and if it's intimidating then you just need to find the right mentors, people that, that understand. Usually they're, they come in the, in the form of the right fishing guides and the right hunting guides um, and the right trainers. 
because people that are really good at what they do are very accepting and very open and have already been where you are personally and they've seen other people do it as well like like a fishing guy that's his job man he sees people that don't know how to fish all the time and most of them think they're really good at it at least if you're coming at it going hey i'm a beginner i don't know what i'm doing you're 95 percent there like <laughs> you've at least decided i don't know what i'm doing like and and looking for good help but anybody can do it man and it's and and what i would say is as long as you're enjoying yourself and having fun then it's for you and if, it, if it's not fun, maybe you should probably try to find something else because it's supposed to be fun. Well, there we go. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate you hopping on, uh, hopping on and sharing all this with my listeners. No problem. Thank you. All right, y'all, that'll do it for this episode of The Wild Initiative. Make sure you check out the show notes page at thewildinitiative.com. Had fun. That'll do it for this week. Look forward to next week. But until then, I hope this podcast inspired you to get involved, get outdoors and plan your initiative for the wild. Thank you for listening to the wild initiative. Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and head on over to the wild to get show notes. Check out the blog gear discounts, other podcasts from the wild initiative family and more. 